Welcome to More Than Medicine, where Jesus is more than enough for the ills that plague our culture and our country. Hosted by author and physician, Dr. Robert Jackson, and his wife, Carlotta, and daughter, Hannah Miller. So listen up, because the doctor is in. Welcome to More Than Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Jackson, bringing to you biblical insights and stories from the country doctor's rusty, dusty scrapbook. Well, some years ago, when my children were first beginning to have my grandchildren, their babies, my nurses at my medical office would ask me, Dr. Jackson, what are your grandchildren going to call you? I would look at them with a very serious face, and I would say, they're going to call me Dr. Jackson. Well, my nurses would just guffaw at that. Well, sometime later, one of my grandchildren came in the office, looked down the hall, raised her arms up in delight and said, Dr. Papa. Well, I looked at my nurses and I said, see there, I told you. So I'm delighted to share with you that More Than Medicine is going to introduce for you a new feature that we're going to call Devotions with Dr. Papa. Once a week, we're going to share with you a short 10-minute, maybe 15-minute devotional. And it's going to be a story from my past, from my medical practice, or something that's just happened in my life that I can then segue into a Bible teaching. As you've gathered, my favorite way of teaching the Bible is to share with you a story. I heard a long time ago that if you want people to know the truth, just teach them the Bible. But if you want them to love the truth, tell them a story. You know, the way Jesus did. He told parables, and then he extracted a biblical truth from the stories, the parables that he told. I love to tell stories, and I love to teach the Bible. Today, you're going to hear a lot of stories. A couple of weekends ago, I was able to teach at a men's conference entitled Momentum 2023 at Crossroads Baptist Church in Greer. There were about 200 men present. The keynote speaker was Neelan Brown from Kansas. He spoke twice, and then there were six men who spoke at breakout conferences, My conference was entitled, What Disgruntled Wives Tell Their Family Doctor. Now, I have to tell you, in 40 years of practicing medicine, I have counseled with lots of women who have had lots of things to tell their family doctor. And I was able to share a lot of stories. But I was also able to extract biblical principles of life from those stories. And I'm going to share some of those stories with you today. This is a two-part series. You'll hear the first part today. And then in the next week, you'll hear the second part. And I think you'll enjoy the biblical principles of life that will be extracted. Now, this is mainly for men. But you women, I think, will enjoy the storytelling and the Bible teaching. Now, you men out there, If your wives know 
what I'm teaching about, and they find out that you did not listen in. Well, if you've ever understood what it's like to be nibbled to death by little baby ducks, you'll know what it's like for your wife to find out that you knew about this session and then you did not listen in. So I'm encouraging you, brothers, listen in, pay close attention, and let the Spirit of God be your teacher. I'm going to be sharing with you the lessons in life that I have learned from living with my lovely bride for 41 years. These are lessons in life that the Holy Spirit has taught me. And I trust that these lessons in life will be beneficial to you. I'm also hopeful that you will enjoy the devotions with Dr. Papa. I'm also going to be commenting on cultural events. I'll also continue to bring to you biblical perspectives on the issues of life that are going on in our culture with interviews with people that I think will bring to you a perspective on the issues of life that are swirling around us. And I think you will enjoy the interviews that I plan to bring. I have several lined up that are going to be very powerful. I will continue to bring my own perspective to what's happening in the world of medicine, the world of politics, the world of culture around us. And I think that the unique biblical perspective that God gives to me will be valuable to you. I thank you for being my listening audience. I encourage you to uh, obtain the books that I have written. First is my pro-life book, The Family Doctor Speaks, The Truth About Life. My second book, The Family Doctor Speaks, The Truth About Seed Planting, which is an evangelism book. And then my third book, Turkey Tales and Bible Truths. As I've told you before, I'm an avid turkey hunter. I'm not necessarily a good turkey hunter, but I am an avid turkey hunter. But each of the stories in that book segue right into a Bible teaching that men need to hear. Now, ladies, I know that you understand that your husbands have never read a complete book since they graduated from high school. So if you want your men to know the biblical truths that are in that third book, you're going to have to buy the book and you're going to have to read them one chapter every night before they go to bed. I have figured out that more women are buying my turkey hunting book than men. So ladies, I encourage you to pick up a copy and read a chapter each night to your men. So now I bring you what disgruntled wives tell their family doctor. I was on Lake Kiwi on a family vacation some years ago and I got up early in the morning and went down to the dock ostensibly to do a little fishing but I was actually just praying on the dock as you know the early in the morning the water is just smooth like glass and a little mist was rising off the water and uh, as I was sitting there a little John boat came around the corner and started working its way down our sloop in front of the boat there was a little skinny guy that looked like Scooby-Doo's friend Shaggy he had a big Adam's apple and a little scruffy beard and in the back of the boat, there was a real big guy, 350 pounds or so, and he made the back of the boat sink low in the water, and the front of the boat was about two feet out of the water, and the trolling motor was just barely in the water. And, you know, 
uh, voices carry over the water, so I could clearly hear their conversation. And a little skinny guy in the front said, Paul, Paul, I think I'm going to have to leave Arlene. Um, she, she ain't spoke to me in two months. We had a little argument, and she, she hadn't spoke to me in two months. Well, the big guy in the back leaned over, and he, he spit a stream of stew in the back in the water. And, and he said, I don't know if I'd do that if I was you, boy. And a little pause came, and then he said, well, well why, why you say that? And he said, well, a good woman like that is hard to find. <laughs> now, you laugh, but when I share that story with women's groups, they don't laugh at all. Well, you understand that women are different from men. And your wife is looking for somebody who will dialogue with her and talk with her. Is that a fair assessment? Now, Jesus is the bridegroom. You and I are the bride. Does Jesus want you to talk to Him? In fact, He says, pray without ceasing. Be devoted to prayer. Seek the Lord while He may be found. There are abundant Scriptures that tell you and me to talk to Jesus, who's the bridegroom. So conversation between the bride and the bridegroom is something in the, in the Scriptures that's important. And also, you and I intuitively understand that conversation and dialogue between a husband and wife is an important thing. Beulah May and Bo came to see me many years ago when I was first in medical practice. Beulah May came in, sat down by the lavatory. She had a yellow dress on with red flowers. She had her makeup on. Her hair was fixed. She looked real pretty. She was a little petite woman. But uh, Bo was a big man. He had on coveralls. He had on a gray shirt, t-shirt that had been washed too many times. He was a diesel mechanic. And his t-shirt was, was gray with diesel fuel and lubricant. He had a pack of Marlboros rolled up in his t-shirt and he was chewing on a plastic straw. And after they talked a little bit, she says, he don't ever talk to me. He doesn't even listen to me. And he grunted and he took the straw out of his mouth and he pointed at her and he said, that's not true. I talk to her all the time. And she says, what's for supper? When are we going to eat? Can we have a little loving before we go to bed? That ain't talk. That's not real conversation. And he just looked at her and he grunted, kind of like a pig. And she said, that's all he ever does is grunt. He doesn't even talk to me. She said, I could have bought a pig and put it in the recliner and given it a remote and taught it how to work the TV and it would have been better than him. And he took the straw out of his mouth and he grunted again. And when he did that, she jumped up and started bawling and ran out of the room. And then he looks at me and he says, Doc, she weren't like that when we first got married. I think she's losing it all. You think she needs to see a psychiatrist? And then he grunted again. And I thought I was the one who's going to have to run out of the room then. <laughs> well, you see, men want respect and sex. Not necessarily in that order. But women want companionship and love. They want a friend that will talk to them and dialogue with them, fully clothed, 
and over a cup of coffee for meaningful conversation over topics of substance. Now, how many of you have, your wives have a friend that they talk to on the phone for an hour at a time and they just chat away? But they never talk to you like that. (laughs) Well, you see, your wife wants you to do more than just listen and grunt. She wants you to dialogue and ask her questions for clarification and repeat things back to her to make sure you understand. And she will love you for it. It's up to you to make it happen. Listen, a pig can grunt at appropriate intervals. Well, I have a friend named Harold, and Harold and I went deer hunting. He picked me up right before dark. We drove 40 minutes down to uh, Pakalit, South Carolina. He picks me up and said, looks like it's going to be a good day. And I said, yeah, it's cold, not much wind. We drove 40 miles, didn't say a word. We got there, and he said, meet me back at the truck at 10.30. Text me if you shoot anything. (laughs) So three hours later, we meet back at the truck, and he says, you see anything? I said, just a couple little does. He said, yeah, me too. So we get back in the truck, and we drive home. By the time we get to the house, he says, you want to hunt next week? I said, yeah, call me. So I walk in the house, and and I said to my wife, I said, that Harold, he's got to be one of my best friends in the whole world. (laughs) And she said, well, what would y'all talk about? And I was frozen. I was paralyzed. (laughs) What kind of question is that? (laughs) And I just pushed on by and I said, just stuff. (laughs) You see, men are different from women. Now here's a warning. When your wife tells you how she feels about something, don't look at her and say, baby, you shouldn't feel that way. Her, friend, her best friend would never say that. Her best friend would affirm her in the way she feels. And if you say that, you're just communicating to her that you don't understand. And the other thing is don't get defensive if she corrects you. Does your wife feel like her mission in life is to correct all the flaws in your character? And to correct you about your driving? All right, well, let me, let me give you some advice. Next time she corrects you about something in your character or your driving, you just look at her and say, thank you, darling. I know I have blind spots in my life, and I appreciate you pointing that out to me. Now, I, I realize that you'd rather have a colonoscopy without anesthesia <laughs> than to say that to your wife. But you're affirming her in her mission in life. She'll probably pass out. But she will respect you. Now what do men want? Respect. And sex. But she will respect you for that. She'll put her arm through your arm. She'll lay her head on your shoulder. She'll look at you lovingly. And you'll know that there's good things in the offing. So just say it, brothers. Just say it. Don't belittle the corrective ministry that God has given her in your life. Listen, she's the voice of God in your life telling you what other people see 
but don't love you enough to risk your anger or rejection in order to tell you. Bless her instead for her love and her courage. What she does not want is a husband who bows up every time she points out a flaw in his character. You remember the billboards the highway to patrol used to put up on the interstate that said, Inattention Kills? Some of you older guys might remember those billboards. Well, let me tell you. Inattention to the voice of Holy Spirit speaking to us through our wives will kill our relationship with our wives. Your wife hates pride in you and she is repulsed by your arrogance. God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Your humility will endear you to your wife, but pride builds a wall of separation between you and your wife and it erodes unity. Now I'll tell you another story. Some years ago we had an elders leadership meeting in our church. And, you know, God has given me the giftedness of vision. And I I can see in the future what things we could do in our church to help grow the church. And I was sharing some of that. Well, there was a lady in the church, and she and I just did G-Hall. And as soon as I started sharing that, she started cutting the struts right out from under me and telling me all the reasons why it wouldn't work. Well, she and I got in a little tiff, and it ended up being a, a, a heated argument right in front of God and everybody. And my wife was under the table kicking me. Did your wife do that to you? Did she ever kick you under the table? What does that mean? Does that mean, go boy, get her? (laughs) No, that means shut up, you big dummy. Well, you know, I wasn't listening to my wife. I wasn't going to let that woman outdo me. I kept running my mouth and I kept holding. And it, it turned into nearly a shouting match at a deacon's meeting. Me and a, and a lady. It was awful. It was embarrassing. You ever been in a situation like that? I hope not. Well, as soon as the meeting was over, my wife beat feet and went out the door. And I had to apologize to the whole group of them. But she didn't hear me apologize. So we get in the car and we're driving home and I, I knew I had to resolve this before we get back to the house with all the kids. So I screwed my courage to the sticking place and I said, Baby, what's the matter? And she says, I don't even know why I try. You don't ever listen to me. You'll never change. Has your wife ever said that to you? Uh, Don't raise your hand. It's too embarrassing. (laughs) Now look, guys, I'm a tough guy. I tell people they have cancer and they got six months to live. I watch people bleed out and die in the emergency room. But when my wife told me that, I started to weep because I knew immediately that I was failing, failing miserably at listening to the voice of Holy Spirit speaking to me through my lovely bride. I was not being sensitive to the Spirit of God speaking to me through my wife. And I began to weep. Well, I'm here to tell you that that was a long time ago and that God has done a lot of work in my life. And I'm here to share things with you that I've learned (laughs) since then. And my wife can vouch for me that I've learned a lot and I've learned to listen. Not 100%, but better. 
And the point is, if I'm going to love her as Christ loves the church, I will have to listen to her and receive the ministry that God has given her in my life. Second point, your wife wants you to demonstrate love in ways that are meaningful to her. You see, buying her a new four-wheeler or a chainsaw or an electric griddle may seem the loving thing to you to do. But to her, it doesn't qualify. Like the time I bought her a full set of camo and a two-person deer stand, a ladder stand. I mean, to me, it was romantic. I mean, we could spend time in the woods in October and we could watch the leaves turning colors and falling off the trees and watch the big bucks chase the little does. I mean, what could be more romantic than that? She just didn't see it my way. Well, Buddy and Bobby Joe came to see me for counseling. It started off rather pleasantly, but then she blurted out, all he ever wants is sex. Now, Buddy was a accountant. He was sitting there in a coat and tie. And he looks at her and says, that's not true. I appreciate her cooking and cleaning. And she looks at him and says, oh, I could be replaced by a maid and a hooker. <laughs> well, that went south real quick. And it got so bad, I thought I was going to have to call one of my medical partners to help settle the dispute. Well, think about it, guys. Suppose you haven't been intimate with your wife in two weeks. You've been making not-so-subtle suggestions which she's completely ignored. She's been real busy with some project or family activities, so you're becoming really frustrated at her inattention to your needs. As you leave to go to work one day, she says, Baby, I love you. So, what do you think? Words, words, just words. It's only words. She doesn't really love me. Let's see a little action around here. So what's your response? Well, you pout and poot or get angry or give her the silent treatment or you really win her heart by becoming demanding of your marital rights. Now, let's flip the perspective. Agape love requires unconditional love without strings attached. Meaning that regardless of your wife's performance, you will love her and honor her. But you see, that's not how most of us do things. Most of us follow the world's plan, which is self-serving narcissism, rather than agape love. The world's plan is a 50-50 plan. You know what that means? The 50-50 plan says you do your part and I'll do my part. You give your part, I'll give my part. The problem with the world's plan, the 50-50 plan, is it's presuppositionally impossible for you to ever believe that your spouse has contributed as much to the marriage <laughs> as you have. Isn't that right? And the 50-50 plan is doomed to failure from the outset. Because what happens is the partners begin to ratchet down their contribution because they don't think the other partner is giving as much as they are. And they begin to withdraw emotionally. And when my patients come to see me for counseling, neither one of them is contributing anything to the marriage. They've completely given up. Now what's God's plan? 
God's plan is a 100% plan. 100-100. Both partners give 100% unconditional love in the way that Jesus loves the church. Isn't that what the Bible says in Ephesians 5? Husbands, love your wife as Jesus loved the church. Jesus gave 100% and He knew from the beginning that you and I would fail. He knew that you and I would not keep our end of the bargain. He knew that we would go a whoring after other gods and that we would cheat on Him. And yet He gave 100%. And He says for you and me to love our wives in the way that Jesus loved the church. Now that's tough, brother. That's hard words. That's a hard saying. How do you and I live up to that? Only by the Holy Spirit who lives in us. If we didn't have Holy Spirit, brother, those would be impossible words and impossible expectation. Well now, I had a patient some years ago, a big tall six foot four truck driver. He came to see me with his wife and she was diabetic and hypertensive and she had a stroke. Paralyzed her on the right side and she was in a wheelchair from then on. But it also changed the way she could speak. You couldn't hardly understand her. And it changed her personality. And she became very mean and spiteful and uninhibited. And when she would say the most bizarre, mean, and spiteful things. And for 12 years, he took care of her and he loved her. He treated her like the queen of his life. Unconditional love. He gave 100% to his wife. Even though no matter what he gave her, she gave him back meanness and spitefulness and sometimes profanity. It was hard. And every time he left my office, I would whisper in his ear and I'd say, Brother, there will be stars in your crown. After 12 years, she died. And every now and then I see him up in Landrum at the outdoor market. He sells the best bread and butter pickles. And every time I see Him, it just warms the cockles of my heart because I remember how for 12 years He loved His wife as Jesus loved the church. And you see, none of us have that kind of hardship. <laughs> it's easy compared to what He put up with. And I challenge you, brothers, I D-double-dog dare you, love your wife as Jesus loved the church. What does your wife want? She wants a husband who loves her as Jesus love the church and she'll respect you for that what do men want respect yeah you love her as jesus loved the church thank you for listening to this edition of more than medicine for more information about the jackson family ministry dr jackson's books or to schedule a speaking engagement go to their facebook page instagram or their webpage at jacksonfamilyministry.com this podcast is produced by bob sloan audio production at bobsloan.com.